Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza, reporting again from, seems like the 100th day of this situation, in my office in Morgantown and joined, as always, by Chris Anderson in Richmond. Chris, um, has anything changed? Is it more exciting, less exciting, or just kind of status quo? I feel like I'm, I'm like, just like everybody else, just kind of floating through all this still the same still kind of trying to spice it up and do different things each day but uh hopefully we are getting towards the finish line hopefully or a line a line let's not say finish line a line i'm uh i'm gonna break some news here go for it i'm a headband guy now oh oh no have you gotten have you are you that far from from a haircut that, that your headbands only now it's like early January was my last haircut cool. and like my hair is thick and long. Usually it just kind of grows cause it's not my turn to be bald in my family. So it's good. Good genes on that side. And I, I don't know, I go like maybe like every other month, I think. And I was on my way out the door one day in March cause I had some time because everything had paused and grabbed my keys and the wife goes, where are you going? It's like, get a haircut. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I did not realize that. Um, cause she had like gotten her hair. Uh, what's the word? produced done mm-hmm. i don't know a couple of days before and i just thought it was something you could do so i haven't done that she listens to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be careful it's beautiful <laughs> but that was like over a month ago and that was overdue at that point so uh, i've gone from like being one of the hollywood squares on these zoom calls with the head coaches to i'm just like the the blank screen with the m on it now <laughs> yeah <laughs> They're like 11 o'clock in the morning. I just don't have enough time to make my hair look good <laughs> at that hour of the day. So I might I might pop up on Wednesday's call with like my hair extremely pulled back. Maybe wearing a baseball cap or something like that. Bandana? What do you think about bandana? Is that too much? No, I like it. You can have it up on your forehead holding your hair back when you're at home and then flip it down and use it as a mask when you go out. Um, I'm also, also checking myself out now in um, in the screen here, and I'm wearing a tie-dye t-shirt, so I now have the long hair, the headband, and the tie-dye t-shirt, so we are devolving pretty rapidly here. <laughs> Granted, my shirt is because my friend is a famous rapper in the Flatbush Zombies, and I'm wearing his shirt right now, so it's not because I, I yearn for the days of the Grateful Dead or I'm a Bill Walton mark, but it is tie-dye, so... Um, if you see me, check on me, but I don't know when you would see me anytime soon because we're going to be in here for a while, which uh, leads me to our, our first topic here, Chris. Some traction, and this is inevitable, but like it, it's arrived this week, but some traction from you know pro leagues, uh, the UFC, some universities about their plans, what they may do, what they definitely are doing, kind of formative discussions about you know the NBA or Major League Baseball. Universities are saying it's our plan to be open fights in Florida for the UFC and then relative to our interest, West Virginia on Monday, the state, not the university, um, a 13 slide presentation and kind of a three tiered six week plan for how to reopen the state, which could begin as soon as Thursday. The parameters are um, 3% cumulative positive test result rate, uh, below 3% for three straight days. Monday was one. Tuesday looks like it'll be two. It could be three on Wednesday. So Thursday, they could start the plan, which means things could be opening up again within a week. Um, that brings us to a certain date that I'll get to in a second. But uh, you have a slightly different scenario in Richmond, and I don't know how much you paid attention to this, but from what you know about the plan here, 
it doesn't really affect colleges, but it seems like things are moving forward here in West Virginia. Uh, not so much here. I haven't heard much. I know, you know, my wife works at the hospital. She's on these calls frequently and they have discussed um, how their changes are coming uh, at the hospital and they're opening things back up. She does a lot of elective work and she has basically been shut out because, you know, it's deemed non-essential. Uh, she's been having to come into work for any uh, potential essential uh, needs, but now they're kind of opening things back up. But as far as the state as a whole is concerned, I have not heard much of anything. I think they had the, what was it the health administrator just the other day say he thinks the schools might be closed for another year. Um, and parents around the state screamed out in terror, uh, for sure. Whew. A lot yeah. of colleges in that state too. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so and that's what, I'm uh, sorry. That's what, uh, I think is going to cause a lot of issues with, with the, you know, what we're focused on here for, for the sake of, um, our business, what we cover, is college athletics. Obviously, these are a bunch of universities, uh, teams that are playing for universities, and these universities, for the most part, a lot of them are um, in the state systems, and different states are opening at different times. Some are in cities, some are in more rural areas that are not getting hit as hard, and different leagues, different conferences, different levels. Like, I don't I think that's going to be the most interesting part of this for me is how is this all going to come together and how are they going to get on a common ground to allow everyone to play? So interesting. I have no idea. And that's like the big thing I want to ask you about in a second, but to circle back in the West Virginia plan, uh -huh. um, tiered restarts for things like elective procedures you just mentioned. So dentistry, you know, some medical procedures, daycare with testing, that would be week one. Then you have, you know, some small businesses, some uh, professional services like haircuts nice. and uh, nails and things like that. But also, you know, some religious services, too, which are larger groups. There will be appropriate social distancing there. So, you know, every other pew, people spread apart. So there's some things there. And the weeks three through six are a little bit more expansive with, you know, instead of restaurants outside, restaurants inside, um, more businesses and um I don't know, things like that moving and kind of escalating. So you're kind of buying some time, so to speak, in those first two weeks to see how it goes. And then if the infection rate, excuse me, the positive test results go up a little bit, um, then they might back up. They have ways to slow, stop, and reverse and all that stuff. Um, so that's cool. The one thing that's not mentioned in there really at all is that is um, sporting events and large gatherings, 25 or more people. So, you know, movie theaters, sporting events, concerts, um, hard to do college sports for our or even high school sports for example um without 25 more in a group but that was six weeks away and it wasn't included in the three tiers which is first week second week and then weeks three through six so they didn't account for that they also don't really have to account for that as it relates to high school sports or college sports because they're not happening in the summer so that's fine it might be some more time but i was doing some math in my head here um six weeks from wednesday would be june 10th what was the date the one recruit told you about a possible report date? So they were originally planning on being back the first week of June, like right after Memorial Day, June mm -hmm. 1st or whatever it was. So that's right. a that's a no, I'm guessing. Uh, but the conversation I had the other day, I was asking several players, several recruits when they were going to be back on campus. And Isaiah Cottrell was the only one who mentioned a new date. And he told me, 
that the original date, which was supposed to be that first week of June sometime, uh, he was now hearing it might be June 24th. Two weeks after that date. Yeah. I'm wondering now, no one's going to say anything because no one wants to say anything, but I'm wondering if like some of this you're hearing and some of what we saw this week, if it's not interconnected and there's enough time between the first six weeks to say, all right, things went well, green light to go ahead. And if going ahead is like, listen, you can tell your kids to buy plane tickets or to pack the car, fly or drive to Morgantown and they can be back on campus by that date. I'm wondering if we're getting there. No one's going to say that. I don't think because it's it's too optimistic and too presumptuous right now, but it's okay to plan that way. You have to plan to be a little bit proactive, and it's starting to make sense in my head a little bit here where um, they're not having these conversations with just people in Charleston. They have to talk to people who are running colleges and universities too. And I'm wondering if like the information trickles down to, all right, here's what we're hearing, what we're thinking. We're going to see this plan come out on Monday. You know, Start thinking about you know, how you would resume at the end of June. That's pretty good news, is it not? If, in fact, it is what's happening. Yeah, I think it's got to be some good news. I mean, now you got me thinking about all sorts of dates yeah. in June because there's a lot of stuff coming on here. Uh, there was a recruit the other day, Daryl Peterson, who went on the record saying that he had moved his official visit date to June, the weekend of June 6th. And, I mean, I does that count is he allowed to do that uh, i mean obviously right as of now as of the time we're recording this podcast the ncaa only has an in-person recruiting ban through may 31st and i posted on our board if i were a coach i might actually push for as many kids to come that first weekend after they lift the ban because i think there's going to be a rush of board recruits to commit like at, they're going to be like i mean just like how all of us we saw Roger Goodell sitting in his basement and were ecstatic <laughs> that sports was back. This is how these recruits are going to be. They have been stuck with no visits, no nothing for uh, it's going to be by that point, three months, I guess, uh, almost three months by that point. And then they're going to walk on a campus and uh, they're going to walk into the, you know, into the weight room and stuff and see this football field and think, Oh my God. And might commit on the spot. So I would push to get kids on as soon as humanly possible. And right now, that's one for June 6th, and several others say they're still planning on being there June 13th. Yeah, no recruiting camps and no in-person or on-campus stuff, but yeah, that recruiting moratorium ends, let's be honest, at 11.59 p.m. with 59 seconds. I'm I'm not Neil Brown, and I'm not Brian Bennett and Patrick Johnston, but if I am for a second, I would be having, like, the door opening – at midnight yeah. for my, my official visit. Make it some big pomp and circumstance thing where, like, hey, we are the first school to be doing official visits now that we're open. And then make it some big wild thing. Would anybody come? I don't know. I might not last long in this job, but like I think what you're <laughs> what you're saying is absolutely right because I think that the appetite for it is going to be so high. And like honestly, I, I don't mean this is any level of offense to West Virginia, but you might get people to come to that who had never been interested in it, but like they could just go and do it. Hell, they're on their way to Penn State or Ohio State or, or Pitt or Maryland or whatever. But like, hey, do something cool here beforehand. We're going to let you in at midnight. And like, well, I don't know, whatever you do, but like, I think that'd be awesome, like a midnight madness kind of thing. I, I'm going to write about this now, actually. Oh, God, I can't wait to see how many secondary violations you get in your next job. It's going to be fantastic. My, that's also part of my job description, too. But yeah, I think, I think we're seeing things that are going again, like they, what you're saying, I don't have any reason to 
not believe him, but, and that would be the first what the first weekend after the May thirty first goes away. Highly competitive week, and I would imagine everybody's going to be trying to pull in kids there. And like, let's let's also be honest: if you're a school that competes at West Virginia, you're going to be poaching guys to probably get them to come that weekend if you can. I think that's probably part of the business, and that would be pretty interesting there too. But um, I don't know. I think we're seeing things that are moving in the right direction, and uh, I'm supposed to go to Mexico at the end of June. And I'm just crossing my fingers there. However, I was also supposed to go see the Foo Fighters in a, in a huge concert festival on Fourth of July in DC, and that was canceled on uh, Monday too. So I'm getting tugged in opposite directions here. But <laughs> I'm increasingly hopeful about this stuff. Like if you had asked me five or six weeks ago, I didn't know enough. I still don't know enough, and I don't think anybody should be listening to me about these things. But like I was just kind of worried about stuff. But um, it seems like things are making progress and going in the right direction and people are being smart. And you just kind of, you kind of keep your eye on Oklahoma and Florida and Georgia and, and see what happens as they, you know, ease back into things. Cause you know, a lot of sports teams in there too, which is kind of what we're talking about here, because just because the NBA or major league baseball is back, that does not mean the college sports will be back. The plans are totally different. The calculus is totally different. Yeah, I think every every situation is unique because what we're sitting here talking about right now with these official visits, that's that's one kid and and his, maybe his parents and that's it coming to campus. So you know, three people, two, three people um, visiting a campus and talking to a couple coaches at a time and walking around in, in a lot of situations in open space where you can keep distance from each other. Uh, it, it's not like these camps. I. There's no, obviously they've already canceled the June camps, but you got to witness those firsthand the last couple of years. It's a hundred some kids all crammed together in small lines and, you know, going through drills and playing one-on-one and uh, getting right up next to the coaches and each other and every, and then dozens of parents standing on the sideline. So that's, that's canceled. And that makes sense. That's a lot of, that's a lot different than one recruit and his parents walking around campus with two or three coaches. Whew, exciting. Things are actually happening and moving here. Um, something that maybe they could talk about too, and this kind of just underscores the pressure that these coaches are under right now too, is we, we might see some movement on name, image, and likeness soon. And this could be things that you could talk to players and their parents about during recruiting. Um, I had communications with a friend of mine who works in college athletics and was telling me some fairly interesting things about what could or couldn't happen here within the next week or so. It also amazes me that like with all the stuff that's going on, that they're actually devoting a lot of time and attention to the name, image, and likeness because there's a lot of things going on that are really important. But it sounds like we're going to get some conversation and some ideas about how this may look and specifically, you know, what players can and can't do. Like you might be able to have an agent, but not like a pro sports agent. But a marketing agent, I think, would be the best way to call it that. I think you and I had talked about this before. Like, that's kind of dicey for universities. And maybe schools should invest in a person who can, like, be your in-house agent for marketing opportunities. Because I think you're going to see some sort of conflict about what student-athletes can or can't endorse. So West Virginia University is a Coke school. I don't think you want your starting quarterback being able to endorse Pepsi or DraftKings. For example, you know, things that aren't necessarily legal for um, NCAA rules or that kind of clash with the university's marketing interests. So I think the fact they're having these discussions are kind of interesting because I'm surprised they're at the top of the list. But also, this is evolving very quickly. We might actually have some sort of, um, I don't know, clarity, some sort of progress on this here soon. But um, to what extent do you think recruits are interested in this at all? 
Well, I think they have to be. I'm not sure they will properly understand how it's going to work, especially early on, especially before it ever actually gets implemented. Um, there won't be sure, you know, which schools will be able to take advantage of that best or, or help you kind of reach your earning potential, if you will, in those situations. Um, but to be honest, I'm, I'm not that surprised that they're working on it. Uh, you know, somebody asked me when we were discussing the, uh, no fans in the stands. And I said, I think it's a real possibility, but the, the catch here is that if they go down that path of playing games with no recruit, no fans in the stands or no students on campus, you start get ready to pay the players. That's the only option. Cause once you start doing that, you're admitting that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that the, the football program is that important to the financial stability of the institution, uh, to these States, to all these universities and these players are needed. They are needed to produce revenue, whether they are students or not. And so I think this is almost like a hedge just to be ready for just in case they go back and play football without students or fans. That's crazy. Also, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay players. So the fact that they're pushing along this NIL thing makes me think yeah. that like their understanding of what you're saying is exactly true. And they're like, well, listen, we're going to let you make money. <laughs> we're not <laughs> going to pay you, but like, yeah. <laughs> We won't give you the money, but we'll let you find some other way to get it yourself. Uh, the devil's in the details, I guess, too. Uh, right. Last topic here. Um, certainly a strange, strange offseason. I think we could say unprecedented. It's not a bad offseason for West Virginia, the sports at least. Uh, the, listen, the end of the seasons for the winter and the spring sports, that sucked. I don't think anybody is going to argue with that. And um, this time is is so hyper focused on you know when or if or when we're going to get our sports back and you know are we going to be covering games in Atlanta in September or just Big Twelve games in October? Who knows? Um, but I was thinking about this because the big news this week is obviously that Oscar Sheepway comes back, and that's a good thing. Um, didn't even mess around with the draft. Didn't officially enter the draft. He just asked for an evaluation, so he didn't even go through the whole dog and pony show, which would be really weird right now, but. Derek Culver didn't even consider it. He just kind of worked on his himself for a while, and that's cool because he's not distracted. He's not going to – and neither he nor Sheway will kind of go out and be told they have to shoot three-pointers or develop a jump shot or anything that's kind of um, outside of the box that West Virginia wants those two to play and live in. So that's cool. Um, no spring football, not good, but, like, we haven't seen the wave of transfers that typically follow spring football. And maybe it'll come. You may see some guys who are like 50 year seniors who want to go along and play their last year somewhere else. And they know where they are. Uh, it's still a young team. that's going to invest in a lot of young players, but um, not bad news coming out of there too. And also they may add somebody on the offensive line here before long. You kind of have some thoughts on that too. But if we're looking for silver linings and for rays of sunshine, um, we're in a really weird period. I get that, but this isn't all bad. It's actually kind of a lot of good news right now. Yeah, uh, last week would have been we would have been all over the transfer portal last week. You know, spring game on the 18th. Usually, the the players come in for kind of their exit interviews, like uh, the Monday or the Tuesday afterwards, and then you start seeing kids enter the transfer portal right away. And then there's I think it's a 48 hour period before when they put it in and when their name uh, shows up. So you might not see it till Friday, but or this weekend, or maybe we talk about it on Monday, but uh, you know, I, I think at any in a normal year, when you go through spring football and just standard kind of attrition in these situations, that's at least a handful of guys gone right mm-hmm. there. And yeah, you like you said, you mentioned maybe next month 
when graduation happens, when school ends, uh, then there might be a couple guys that, that go then. But to what and how do you know? You know, this spring is usually when you find out where you sit on the depth chart, if you're in or out. And if you're out, then you decide to transfer. But you don't know if you're out because you didn't really have spring football. And um, that, again, we're talking this this sliver, the tiniest sliver of silver linings here in this whole situation. But that's one of them. West Virginia's all of a sudden got a lot of depth at positions that if you had asked me three months ago, I would have said, well, yeah, it looks okay now, but half those guys are going to transfer. And now maybe they're not. And now maybe there's depth. Now maybe guys will be there for the fall and be able to help this team that might not have been able to. And as you mentioned, uh, no practice, but this is year two for Neil Brown. They already know the offense. They're not doing anything new with the offense. Uh, or maybe they're doing some tweaking. It's not a full, complete overhaul and reinstall. But uh, you know who is doing that? It is Florida State. Mm-hmm. And they don't get an opportunity to do that. So all things being equal, um, West Virginia comes out better in this situation than Florida State does, the whole no spring football. I, I think it's a really good point. Uh, and, and again, I, this is not a good thing, but the people who are enrolling in the summer are not going to enroll in the summer. Um, irrespective of this June 6th thing we're talking about and the recruiting moratorium coming out, there are no online classes. So I don't know how they're going to be allowed to have recruits enroll. I don't know when that's going to be. That might be something they have to resolve. Maybe you make a distinction where, you know, you can bring these kids on campus, but they have to take online campus, online courses on campus. I don't know. That's a huge question mark for me that I think people probably need to pay more attention to. And maybe that's somewhere after name, image, and likeness. But if there are a bunch of players who are juniors or seniors who are worried about their spot and a guy can come in in June and nudge them out, that happens pretty commonly in the course of a regular year. That's not happening now. In addition, we didn't see a lot of guys who enrolled. Um, I think there's five players who enrolled, and they got two spring practices. They didn't scare anybody away or push anybody out. Um, there might be players who were redshirting last year who didn't get to audition in the spring. They're not pushing anybody out, too. Now, maybe they didn't get to develop as much as they want, but like the future for them is still there, whereas the future for guys who have one or two years left – could also be at West Virginia. And if you're a school that's had depth troubles, like you just mentioned, like you're going to preserve that a little bit. And that's a pretty valuable commodity for someone who's trying to get to 85 or trying to get to 105, even where the guys you can draw from and have a good roster with. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you got me thinking here again about that story that you wrote and that we just discussed before about football starting June 1st, July 1st, August 1st. Mm-hmm. I think we can go ahead and kind of get rid of the June 1st section of that, maybe, sort of, unless we're doing it all remotely. But uh, it's still possible for all these guys to come in on July 1st or August 1st or do things remotely. They already are. Uh, We've already seen the Zoom meetings. We've seen them talking with coaches. We've seen them get the workout plans. um, and, And the development can still be there for West Virginia. How about Sheetway for a second? Um. I don't think it's surprising at all. In fact, Huggins said, we're not going to have to worry about this. And we didn't. And he's back, beat the deadline. And again, didn't even enter the draft. So I hope people can draw the distinction there. But it's not news at all. But I think it's promising because, again, he's not going to be messing around with who knows what calendar for the NBA pre-draft. And even if he was bound to come back next year, just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to experience things and I'll be back, I promise. You're still wasting time and you're twiddling your thumbs for a while because you don't know 
if or when you're going to be allowed to do workouts, if and when the combine will happen, will you even get an invitation? All that stuff is, is strange. And who knows how many people get in your ear and tell you, again, you should probably start shooting threes. Or, hey, you should work on um, you know, passing the ball out of the high post more, like whatever. But he might get in his ear that could be pulling him away from what Bob Huggins wants. Um, that doesn't happen. And he's instead going to be in the lab for as much as he possibly can on his WVU game and when possible with Derek Culver and with Miles McBride and with Tad Sherman and with Sean McNeil and, you know, with everybody that he's got to play with and around next year too. Um, again, it's not a big surprise, maybe not even big news that she is back, but the fact that he came back when he did, didn't even enter the draft. That seems pretty significant to me. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss the fact that he's not in the NBA as yeah, no kidding. Big deal. We didn't think he was going. I mean, I think it's actually a significant thing because of what he's not going to um, miss on campus or virtually, I guess, or whatever the deal is right now. I think it's probably a promising thing. And, and especially with basketball, you always have to be wary of of, of these type of situations because uh, from what I heard, that whole the just the yeah. idea of putting his name in to be evaluated was a bit of a surprise. Um I think everybody thought it was possible, but right before he had headed home due to uh, the pandemic and, and school being shut down, in-person classes being shut down, it was not something that was going to be done. It was something that had already been discussed and he wasn't going to do it. And that was that. And then he went home and kind of made his way around and, and talked to some old friends on the old AAU circuit um, and whoever else, who knows who else. And next thing you know, he's announcing that he's going in to put his name in the draft and or not in the draft, excuse me, in for an evaluation. And this is me just connecting the dots here. Uh, but if anybody will recall, okay, you know, count recall back to when this happened. First off, when he announced that he was coming back, that he was withdrawing his name from the evaluation. I mean, uh, it w- was accompanied immediately by a West Virginia release, official release from the school with Oscar's quote in there with a quote from Bob Huggins. When he announced that he was going to put his name in for evaluation, that wasn't there. That wasn't ready. It wasn't ready for a couple hours. And that and that's not that's not a knock on anybody. I'm saying my point is I think this caught a lot of people by surprise that he was going to do that because again, I was told that it had already been discussed and he wasn't going to and then decided to just to see, which is fine. I would if I were advising him, I would have suggested getting an evaluation. So it's not a bad thing. It's just, I think you always have people in your ear and especially in basketball. Oscar is the most active on social media, the most immersed in social media. Um, and I think that's something that you may see. Um, you may see changes in, in the future. That's an interesting way of putting that. We'll put it that way. Uh, Hey, I lied. Last one. Um, Two open football scholarships, one possibility, um, Keldrick Wilson, offensive tackle from Hampton, um, puts West Virginia in the final four, and it's a really strange final four. Um, We're trying to keep under 30 minutes here, Chris. (laughs) We're at 27-25 right now. Uh, Indiana, West Virginia, Pitt, USC has not visited any one of these four schools, but all four are interested. He may or may not have offers from all four. Um, and he may also be a two for two guy because he has sat out two seasons. I'm not really sure what happened in one of them. He says the coaching change got him, but, um, yes, no shoulder shrug. 
a shoulder shrug leaning towards maybe. Uh, yes, because I, like you said, it's a very strange Final Four, and mm-hmm. I don't believe that USC is offered. Uh, when I spoke with him last month, he that was when he got his West Virginia offer, and West Virginia of these four schools, West Virginia was the only one that had recruited him out of high school. Uh, he, I believe, visited when he was in high school, didn't get an offer, and but Pitt, Indiana, USC, none of them ever did that, and I, I again, he's never visited any of the four, so he's going to have to kind of do this uh, sight unseen. I did reach out, uh, try to talk to him again. I only got one answer when I asked if you said, you know, because he said in his social media tweet that his decision would come, quote, very soon. And very soon to me means any day now and in the next couple of weeks, maybe. And that means no visits. And I asked, he wanted to confirm that that meant no visits because he planned to take visits. And it sounds like it's coming, no visits, uh, which really kind of throws you a curveball. But if I had to pick out of those four, I, I want to say West Virginia. Redshirted in 2016, played in 17, did not play in 18, and then started last year. And again, if you miss two years, one with a redshirt, one with an injury, or two by injury, you can apply for and maybe receive that sixth year. I think that West Virginia looks for things like that in players because listen, he may be a, a marginal prospect right now and maybe he doesn't advance a whole lot his first year. Totally different story. If he has two years, same thing for a guy like perhaps George Campbell or Keon Wakefield. Um, I would think that there's probably a sincere interest on West Virginia's part to get him on campus for one year. And then the second year that might even be more appealing for someone like him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, he has a spot where he could fill right in and he could play. And I think, think he realized that he he seemed to realize that when we spoke last time that was the very first thing he mentioned was that both starting tackles were gone and that was something that interested him so um again uh, it's unprecedented times and and here we are with uh, who knows what's going to happen with this how you make that kind of decision from afar but i would have to pick west virginia at this point if, if you put me on the spot to make a decision Chris is going to go right that shell. We're going to save that in the queue for when it does happen. He can have it out there now. I'm going to go brush my hair, find a nice <laughs> headband, and get ready for Neil Brown's Zoom news conference in a couple of hours here. So until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.